parish does lots of uh, entanglements with Wheaton College. We have many students, many faculty, many staff, many alum uh, in our congregation. And so it was a, a, a thrill to be able to invite the new chaplain of Wheaton College, Dr. Angelus Wilson. We're very excited to have you here with us. And if I'm not mistaken, you're a California native or recent California uh, resident. Yes, right? sir, Father. I am as well. So Amen. We have <laughs> we're, we're, we're so journeying here in this land of snow and ice. <laughs> uh, but we're delighted to have you with us today. We're going to bring God's word to us. Thank you. Well, good morning, all souls. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I would like to thank Father Cardi for taking a chance on the bald preacher this morning. <laughs> what a joy to be with him and to see the children of God in the house of God on the day of the Lord. To the reverend clergy and to all of you who make up this great gospel train, it is good to be here. It is almost February. I'm going to give you a good dose of black preaching this morning. <laughs> My beautiful queen is with me of 32 years. Would you wave at me, baby? Amen. Amen. I like to do that, Father Akati, just in case there's a single man in here. That one belongs to me. Amen. For my love with all my heart. The word of the Lord, beloved, from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. And seeing the multitude, he went up on the mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'd like to tag this message this morning for us, a promise from Jesus. It was the first year of his earthly ministry. And Jesus' name now has become a household word. He's demonstrated his power over sickness, devils, and all sorts of diseases. His fame is now spread among the region. Crowds have come from all over to hear the field preacher from Nazareth proclaim the word of the Lord. The crowd he is speaking to this morning has come to be taught by Jesus, loved by Jesus, informed by Jesus, trained by Jesus, but most of all, empowered by Jesus. And I'm sure they knew that morning on that hillside, they were going to hear something that day they'd never heard before. And that's why I'm glad that we're here, all souls, because every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Can I get an amen right there? Now, there are two things I think we can learn from this passage this morning. Number one, let's talk about the disciples' position, and let's look at the disciples' promise. The text says in verse 1, that seeing the multitude, he went up to the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Beloved, here in the beginning of his sermon, Jesus starts off his message by making a declaration to the crowds that have come to hear him preach. He says that they were blessed because of their position. What was their position? They were poor in spirit. A friend in my library said these words. He said, Wilson, the people who followed Jesus were for the most part poor people. And they live really from hand to mouth every day. But here Jesus in this sermon is informing them that as disciples, they are uh, things are really not always what they appear. See, here he reveals for us that there is a difference between the way things look in heaven and the way things look on earth. He says in heaven, the poor in spirit are blessed because they're poor. Let me explain. The word blessed here in the text is properly defined in the Greek language as makarios. And it means to be happy, right? He's saying happy are the poor in spirit because something really good is on your side. Jesus is talking about those that have elected to choose humility for righteousness sake. Those who forsake the things of this world in order to seek a higher calling for the sake of the kingdom of God. Here's what I learned also. There are countless people in our world, servants of Christ, whose whole lives are sacrificially lived in humility and in service to the Christ. Some have foregone higher salaries in order to be servants of Christ. Some have left countries and lands, families and friends. California, amen. (laughs) Homes and opportunities to live into a calling that heaven has summoned them to. Can I get an amen, Father? Some have been unjustly accused, shamefully mistreated for the cause of Christ. Some have suffered ridicule, persecution, and unmentionable pain. But through it all, they kept their humility because heaven was calling them to a higher way to live. This verse is talking about those people who have done this. Those people will be blessed or are called blessed in heaven because they have chosen to be a people to choose humility Over pride for righteousness sake. These are the people who look for their fulfillment in life only from the approval of God, who will see their own value as a reflection and a blessing from the king. Friend of my library went on to say, Angelus, in addition to that, to be poor in spirit means to be humble, son, to have the correct uh, estimation about yourself does not mean to be poor spirited and have no backbone at all. That's not what he's talking about. Poor in spirit is the opposite of the world's attitude of self-praise or self-assertion. To be poor in spirit is not like a false humility that says I'm not worth anything or I can't do such and such. No, to be poor in spirit is to practice honesty with ourselves is to say we know ourselves, we accept ourselves, and we try to be ourselves to the glory of God. 
story is told about a Russian countess who had accepted the Lord. And uh, it was her testimony in the royal court. But unfortunately, the czar was not pleased with her new conversion. And as a result, she was thrown into the dungeon to suffer persecution because of her faith. And after living in these most horrible, miserable conditions, the czar summoned her back after a few days and smiled sarcastically as she came before his throne. She said, well, now are you ready to renounce your silly faith and come back to the pleasures of the court? And to his surprise, she smiled serenely and said to him, your honor, I found more joy in prison with Jesus than I have all the days in your court. Now that sister had an attitude right there. <laughs> but she models for us what it means to experience makarios, the happiness of being poor in spirit. We've looked at the disciples' position. Let's look now at the disciples' promise with Christ. The Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Beloved, when we come to this second portion of that one verse, here we discover that if you are poor in spirit, you've received a divine promise from Jesus. Jesus says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. The word kingdom here in the original language is the word baselia, and it means the rule and the reign of God in your heart. Here it is. The promise that these believers have is that the kingdom will be theirs in the midst of their poverty. So, so here's what I learned. When you have the kingdom of heaven, you have something that money can't buy. Can't get that at Costco. <laughs> when you have the kingdom of heaven, you have a peace that passes all understanding. The world may be burning, but there's something happening on the inside of you. When you have the kingdom of heaven, you have the eternal security, beloved, of the believer. When you have the kingdom of heaven, you have the hope that transcends circumstances. When you have the kingdom of heaven, you have the grace that saves, that keeps, that transforms, that spiritually forms, that awakens, that supersedes needs and desires. When you have the kingdom of heaven, you have a permanent standing in the right now rule and the not yet rule of God. And because you have the kingdom, the kingdom mind, it lives in you. Can I tell you what, when, what happens when you have the kingdom mind? Somebody say, yeah, preacher. Poverty can't shake it. Problems can't shake it. People can't shake it. Pain can't shake it. Predicaments can't shake it. Post-traumatic stress can't shake it. Persecution can't shake it. Why? It's seated in the heavens with Jesus. And notice, I didn't say that trouble won't come to you when you have the kingdom heart in mind. It may come to your address, but it won't shake the promise that God has given to you. This is a kingdom promise. And with the kingdom promise comes what I call the kingdom's presence. You see, in the kingdom's presence comes a new way to think. 
In the kingdom's presence comes the rule and the reign of God with his assurance that one day everything will be all right. The kingdom of heaven is the promise for those who are poor in spirit. Story is told of the old slave who was a pastor whose name was old John Jasper. John was a slave right after the Civil War between the states and he founded and pastored a little church that was called the Sixth Street Mount Zion Baptist Church in Richmond, Virginia. Reverend Jasper pastored this great church in tumultuous times. And on one Sunday morning, he was preaching to this congregation of all slaves. And as he was preaching, he decided to take a text that would describe what heaven looks like. And to his own struggle and astonishment, he couldn't quite get the words together to paint exactly what it was and what it looked like to dwell in heaven. And and in a moment of preaching frustration, those preachers in the room will uh, agree with me right here. Sometimes you just don't have the words to paint what God is trying to tell you. He he walked among the pulpit and he he tried his best to articulate what the revelation was seeing, what heaven was going to look like. And then finally, in a gasp of uh, just exasperation, he just told the congregation like this, waved them to go. The sermon was over. <laughs> and he went, the text or the story says, to the office door. And when he grabbed the doorknob and looked back, the congregation was still sitting. And so he came back and he motioned again, just, just go. I don't have the words. And he looked up. And they were still sitting. And after that attempt, the story says he just finally leaned over and said, brothers and sisters, when I think of the glory which shall be revealed in us, I can only tell you that one day old John Jasper's battle is going to be fought for the last time on earth. He said, I can just visualize that one day this tired servant is going to walk up to those golden gates. And I'll stand outside those beautiful gates and a mighty angel will say to me, John Jasper, do you want your shoes? John said, of course, I'm going to say, of course, I want my shoes. I want to walk those gold paved roads that my master talked about, angel, but I don't want them just now. He said, then I can hear the angel say, oh, John Jasper, do you want your robe? He said, I'm going to answer the angel. Of course, old angel, I want my robe that's been clean and white and dedicated to the righteous saints, but just not now. Then the angel is going to say to John Jasper, do you want your crown? He said, I'll say to the mighty angel, of course, I want my crown, but I just don't want it right now. Then the angel will say, John Jasper, don't you want to see Elijah who called down fire from heaven? Don't you want to shake hands with John? the beloved disciple who leaned on the master's breast. Don't you want to shake hands with Paul, who was the greatest church planter the world has ever known? And I'll say to the mighty angel, of course, I want to see all those great saints who've obtained the crown of righteousness. And of course, I want to see my people that I ain't seen before. But the first thing I want to do, angel, is I want to see my master. I want to see the one who paid it all. I want to see the one who died for me on that old tree outside of Jerusalem. Oh, great church of the living God. I stopped by to tell you today, blessed are the poor in spirit, 
And like John Jasper, that former slave, why? For the kingdom of heaven belongs to him. I got to leave you now, but I think there's one great hymn of the church that describes what I'm feeling in this preaching moment. Y'all might know it. My grandmama used to sing it. Oh, how I love Jesus. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing his worth. It sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth. She would say, and oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. And oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Then she say, it tells me of a Savior's love who died to set me free. It tells me of his precious blood, the sinner's perfect plea. And oh, how I love Jesus. Singing, oh, how I love Jesus. Yeah, oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. For it tells me a one's loving heart can feel my deepest woe. Who in his sorrow bears a part that none can bear below. Family, and oh, how I love Jesus. Singing, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me.